Hey, it's Chris. And Kylie. We're just a couple of jerks who need help following Jesus. Our podcast is all about humility. And finding direction and purpose. Especially when life gets hard or things don't turn out like we thought they would. Welcome to Following Jesus for Jerks. Welcome back. Hi, Chris. Hello, Kyle. Welcome, listeners. Yes, here we are again. Here we are. We were just having a conversation, mm-hmm. and I think maybe maybe this should be a social media um, post about uh, people can vote. Okay. Who's funnier? Ooh. Chris or Kylie? Chris or Kylie. Who's funnier? Um, I don't... Do I don't, we want to have this argument? Do we? Mm. I'm, a little, I'm a little scared, too, mainly because I don't want to see you shamed in front of your family and friends. Wow. <laughs> okay, Chris wins. <laughs> well, here we are in our uh, our little studio. This is getting comfy. It is. We've been on it all morning. It we have. We've had lots of people in here. Lots of people? Yes. Well, not at Just the same coming time. Coming in and out. Not at the same time. <laughs> We're having more interviews. We're, yeah, we're yeah. engaging with more people, different people. We're just we're just sick of hearing ourselves. <laughs> well, we're gaining listeners, so maybe that should tell us something. Everyone else is tired of listening to us. True, true, true. How, how are you doing today? I'm good. Yeah? Yeah. You look great. Thanks. My, my folks are still in town. Yeah. It's How's good. That? It's going great. Good. Shout, oh, it's good. Shout out to Superfan Bob. Superfan Bob. And I got confronted. My mom, she's like, Chris, just so you know, I listen to every episode too. I'm just not so vocal about it. Well, your dad, um, what's the, I don't know what you call it, the emoji, the, the regular yellow faced emoji with the heart eyes. Yes. Yeah. He does send me heart he eyes. Send me, he sends that. Yeah. He heart yeah. eyes a lot yeah. of stuff yeah. from us. We love you, Bob. Yeah. I'm I mean, we love you too, Mom. It encourages but, my heart. Know. Well, I haven't. <laughs> we do. We love everybody. Let's just let's just wrap it up. Superfan Layla doesn't have the same the same ring to it. No. And people know Bob. Bob. People know Bob from the from the cast, from, the podcast. From the podcast, we got lots of super fans. We do. We do. All we, right. Well, we think all of them are super fans. You are all that's super. Just, that's just because we're also super egotistical. <laughs> And welcome to the podcast on humility. Here we are. Well, uh, joining some, joining yeah. us today is someone very special, um, John Jesus. Jesus. In addition, to, <laughs> oh man, thank you for saving us. <laughs> In addition to Jesus, we have uh, my buddy John Kessler, uh, who you know we met at at my place of work, mm-hmm. where you don't work, right. We had a little Bible study that wasn't really a Bible study. It was more just discussing like, like the Christian walk. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was sold to me as a Bible study. In my first week, I'm like, we didn't even touch our Bibles. What is this? Like most Bible studies. Yes. Yeah. And so, <laughs> but uh, I noticed it was a couple weeks into it. This is how many, four or five years ago now. Sure. A couple weeks into it, I noticed this guy who comes, who brings his own lunch. Most of us get lunch <laughs> from the cafeteria. This guy comes and brings his own lunch and always, you know, he's always either there, or he's there early and he doesn't have a badge. Maybe he doesn't work for Sweetwater. And it took a few weeks <laughs> to figure out that, uh, that, yeah, you, you, you came just for the study because you had relationships with a bunch right. of, a bunch of the guys there. And, and so got to know you and, and, and really one of the things I, I really admire about you, John, is just 
your your deep knowledge of the word of of just the i don't know like the way god works right and uh uh you always you always have a a, a timely and wise thing to say uh no matter what we're discussing arguing <laughs> you know because we got some arguments didn't we not you oh, and I. Yeah. I mean, like oh, yeah. in that no, little, the, the, in that the, little Bible the table study. is always interesting. Yeah, right? yeah, and and we had to talk people down sometimes. Yeah. Yes, and <laughs> and one thing I noticed is, you know, and 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 Kylie, something you should know about John. He was always the one who, whenever when he spoke, everyone else shut up, listened, oh, and it usually ended the argument. <laughs> yeah, On no matter which side of the, <laughs> you know, the argument hey, it fell. Peacemaker, so, well, yeah, peacemaker. So yeah. so well, tell us, tell us in some of those arguments, how was Chris wrong? <laughs> oh, well, well, usually, like, whatever Chris would say, I would just say the opposite. And, uh, most people like gravitated to that. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. Thank you, Chris. That's um, it's very kind uh, of you to say. Uh, I really do appreciate that. I mean, God, God's good. He's yeah. Well, tell us a little about yourself. You're, you, 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 you do a lot of things. I, I do. Um, well, I mean, uh, right now, currently, I work at Purdue Fort Wayne, so I'm a professor. Yes, I'm not not technically a professor. I'm a senior lecturer mm-hmm. there, so non tenured faculty okay. member, but work there full time. I teach uh, economics, um, intro economics classes for non business majors for just like the general public, regular people who aren't going to go on and take a ton of econ classes. Quick, so. quick question. So I've got my four hundred one k, sure, and then I've got sure. some money in IRAs, and <laughs> yeah. So talk to your financial advisor. Um, that's what not stock what should I, I buy? Yeah, that's not what I do. Yeah, yeah. it's funny because Chris has probably heard this story before. That whenever I, whenever I go somewhere, someone finds out that I'm an economics professor. That's like the first question. It's like, oh, what should I do with my money investing and stuff? And it's like, yeah, no, it's that's not exactly what, what I do. Um, but I do teach personal finance, mm-hmm. so um, kind of stretching more into that uh, that that kind of thing. But as an economist, you know, think about investing a little bit different than. You know, someone yeah. who's a finance major is going to get into P.E. ratios and alphas and betas and like, OK, you know, how do I, you know, pick individual stocks? And as an economist, I'm just like, no, 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 I, I believe like efficient market theory. Mm-hmm. Just as long as the prices aren't being manipulated by some sort of outside force, the price is telling you everything that everybody already knows about the stock. So just buy a bunch of stuff and go back to work, like <laughs> buy an S and P 500 index fund. You got, you know, a little bit of 500 different companies Buy a, you know, a, a, a small cap index fund of some kind. And, you know, make, you get those between those two things. You're going to have, you know, 2,500 different stocks already with your investments and just, I just blacked out. Go back to know. work, man, <laughs> and make happened? as much money as you can and save as much as you can. And yeah, no, it's, um, it, th- those are things that I love to talk about. Sure. It's a, it's a, it's a, a ministry that I really feel like God has called me to in just helping people with their finances cool. and saying, Hey, you know, so many problems that people have in their lives, um, are, are revolve around money. Uh, because, well, because you know, they call it personal finance for a reason, right? It's super personal. Mm. Most people don't want to talk about it. it, it it's, it's like religion, politics, mm. money, like just don't even bring it up or like, you, mm. you know, cause when it comes to money, people just aren't going to open up. Because it's so personal, it like it like reveals mm-hmm. who you are as a person. I mean, right? like, even Jesus said, "Where your where your treasure is, there is where your, your heart lies." Absolutely. So, like your your the choices you're making with your money, like where you're choosing to spend the money, what kinds of things you're buying, right? Give insight to what you want. It's what you desire, mm. right? And so, um, 
as economists, we believe in what we call revealed preferences. So a lot of social sciences, so, so economics is a social science. We're trying to understand and describe human behavior, why people do the way they do, and in a sense, try to build models that will help us predict human behavior, if at all possible. Um, and so a lot of social scientists will go out and they'll do surveys like, hey, what would you do if, you know, this sort of thing, uh, where economists would say, yeah, 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 that's fine. Right. Yes. person like, well, what would you do if you won the lottery? Just driving in this morning, it's like $600 million. Like I'm going to probably buy a lottery ticket now. Like I don't usually buy a lottery ticket. But like, yeah, I'll, I'll buy one when it's over 600 million, you know? Uh, so, uh, but what is that a, threshold for you? A yeah. hundred million wouldn't be enough. Well, it's, 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 it's an expected value calculation actually is what it is. I could walk you through the math, but people would just turn off. I was going to say, I was going to, I have never felt more dumb than the last five minutes. All I learned, all I learned is go buy lottery tickets. <laughs> don't, don't, don't buy lottery tickets. Yeah. No, no. Uh, but but if you ask someone, like, what would yeah, you do? Yeah. They, they always have like all these like grandiose things. Oh, well, you know, I'd buy my parents a house or I'd donate money to charity or, you know, whatever. And um, as an economist, I, I look at those kind of surveys and I go, yeah, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> you know, we don't really know what you would do mm-hmm. until you actually win. Mm-hmm. Right. So instead of asking you what you think you would do, let's just go back and look at what people actually did when they won the lottery. Hmm. And that that reveals to us, like the choices you make, the behaviors you exhibit actually reveal to us what you actually prefer, what you actually want. So the correct answer is lose it within a few years. Yeah, just like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's funny, the, the research actually shows that, um, so there's a bunch of research on like happiness and stuff and like what makes people happy, what doesn't make people happy, these sorts of things. And what they find is, um, you know, a, a big chunk of your happiness, almost 50% of your happiness is genetic like you just have no control over it. It's just, you're either grumpy or, you know, you're either a positive person or a negative person. That's just who you are. It's mm. your personality trait, right? That's genetic passed down from your, your parents and grandparents and stuff. And then, um, another chunk of what your happiness comes from is just sort of random life events. Right. And so the, the random life events account for like another, you know, 30% or so of your happiness. So uh, there's a very small percentage of your happiness that actually you have much control over. Hmm. Um, But those random life events, what we can see is that those events will have either a positive or negative effect. And that only lasts up to about six months. So you have this sort of baseline level of happiness, right? And then something good happens and your happiness goes up. You're like, yay, I'm really happy. And about six months later, you're like right back down to your baseline level of happiness. Hmm. At the same time, something really bad happens to you. You're like, oh, I'm depressed. My girlfriend broke up with me, whatever. About six months later, you're right back to your baseline office. And so when you look at people who win the lottery, it's like they just like blow their mind. Um, You know, their circuits are completely toast because like now they can do anything they want. Mm. Right before, like you get you're happy because, oh, well, I got to watch, you know, Netflix for an hour uninterrupted. You know, awesome. I felt really good. <laughs> right. Or I spoken I, like a man who yeah, has kids. You know, exactly. <laughs> right. Four kids, right? Or um, you know, or my wife and I had a conversation, you know, and it went really good. Like we had a chance to hang out. Like that's cool. I had, I had a good cup of coffee without French vanilla, you know, stuff. So uh and so the, I'm kidding, like whatever. Yeah, every French vanilla, I feel like it. Uh, <laughs> so John but, doesn't but, like our creamer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the coffee creamer is garbage, but it's okay. Uh <laughs> but you know, so, so those sorts of things that make you happy on a normal basis but once you win the lottery now you're like dude i could go have breakfast in paris 
let's just like get on a plane and fly to Paris and have crepes for breakfast mm-hmm. at the foot of the Eiffel Tower just because I can. Like, why mm-hmm. not? And so once you're able to do that sort of thing, the normal everyday stuff just doesn't really do it for you yeah. anymore. And then because most people who play the lottery are done with their money, right? Just because you won the lottery, now you have a lot of money. doesn't make you any better with your money. You know, most of those people end up going bankrupt mm. within, you know, five years. Wow. So they spend it all. And, and then what they find is actually they're worse off than they were before. Because they had a taste of... Right. And now they can't happiness. enjoy what yeah. life is like under normal circumstances. Uh, and what they find is actually six months after you win the lottery, most lottery winners are actually below, slightly below their baseline level of happiness. Interesting. So like literally you would be better off not winning the lottery. Well, you heard so it here. So don't buy that ticket. Don't buy that ticket. Don't buy the <laughs> ticket. Back what I because said. you might win. <laughs> and if you win, it will ruin your life, you know, under most of the time. All right. All right. Well, we just got a snippet. Yeah. So, the, the, so these are the kinds of random things that I think about yeah, yeah. and that I do, you know, for a living, the things that I read and, you know, things that I, that I, that I teach about just trying to help um, people again. Can, can I help you? realize what you really want out of life right because because if you can if you can answer that question what do i want Mm. like really what do i really want and most people don't have any idea um what they actually want it's hard enough like to go to a restaurant and figure out what i want for dinner let alone like what do i really want out of life and like big questions like this so i try to get my students and people like hard to really think about okay well well if you don't really know where to start Look at where you're spending your money. Like that will give you a little bit of insight into maybe what you want because you're revealing your preferences by the choices that you're making. Um, so, for example, I, had a, I, I knew a lady who, who said, well, I want to quit smoking. And she just kept telling me, like, oh, I want to quit smoking. I want to quit smoking. And finally, when I just got pissed off, I'm just like, no, you don't. Look, like you say you want to quit smoking, but you smoke two freaking packs a day. Mm. If you really wanted to quit, you would have quit already. So let's just get over this idea that you want to quit smoking. You don't. So your revealed preferences say you want to smoke. The question is why? So let's look deeper. Like what you really want is something that you think smoking is going to give you. So what is that exactly? And, you know, because it could be any number of things. It's like, well, I have have a nicotine addiction, so I want a nicotine fix. Cool. Let's go get Nicorette. You're done. Right. Um, Well, maybe it's um, I just have like some sort of oral fixation. Sure. Right. Okay, cool. Get a lollipop. Right. Done. Right. Sunflower seeds is what my dad did when he wanted to quit chewing tobacco or whatever. Like, hey, it worked. It was disgusting, as disgusting as <laughs> chewing tobacco, but it worked. Right. Yeah. He, he was able to quit. Um, and what, what it turned out to be for, for this lady was what she really wanted was companionship. Huh. Yeah. And what, smokers and what, break. And smokers yeah. break. I could go out, hang out with my fellow smokers, and there's like a communal activity mm. that happens there. And um, so I was like, look, if you want community, you don't have to smoke to get community. There's other ways you can do that. Um, you need to have a coffee break, right? Or you can go and not smoke and still hang out with people. Yeah. Like you don't have to smoke to get that. Um, and so that was that was you know helpful for her in trying to overcome that. Um, but it was because she looked at her revealed preferences and was able to say, hey, okay, what am I really yeah. looking for out of life? How long did that take and how hard was that for her? Um, to, to just just to get to the realization that that's Well, really that's probably a two-year process, wow. you know, of conversations and stuff. Um, but with her saying, I want to quit, I want to quit. And 
Like, right. okay, well, did you try this? Have you tried this? You tried this? And finally I said, I just got annoyed. And it was just like, <laughs> okay, let's get real. Because <laughs> like, most, people, most people don't want to dig that deeply to right. figure it out. Right. right. Wow. Yeah. We're all we're all thinking about our our own like our own garbage, right? Yeah. Oh, so, it, so 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 most people like they they you know ignorance is bliss, right? Yeah, so yeah. I'm just not going to pay attention, or I'm not going to think about it, or like I'm not going to track my money. Like most people, they don't even look at their money until their bank statement comes or their credit card statement comes. And by then, it's too late. Yeah. Like then you're already in actually. The let, hole. Let's be you're honest. We look up. at it if it's lower than it should be. Right. If it's lower than we think it should be, then, right. Then I'll look at it. Right. Right. So yeah, just just the act of just physically writing down every penny that you spend mm. and just that exercise, even if you just do it for a couple of weeks is, is really insightful and, and, and eye opening. But, um, yeah. So that's just kind of like steering yeah. us off course here, but, yeah. but, um, but that's, you know, that's, that's what I do. I teach personal finance. Yeah. I teach, uh, these intro to, uh, economics courses, kind of like, what do you need to know to be a decent citizen of the world to kind of understand the news. And, you know, when people are talking about the federal reserve or, you know, the, the debt ceiling, you know, being raised, uh, yeah, we're, are we going to have a, a government now, shutdown, yeah, right. you know, all these, all these sorts of questions like, okay, well, let me help you at least understand what we're talking about. Um, when, when that kind of stuff happens, but yeah, kind of an interesting place to, yeah. to end up when, um, you know, for, for a guy growing up in Arizona who, you know, I was a kid, like everybody was, I want to be a baseball player mm-hmm. or all my neighbors were fighter pilots at the air force base. I'm like, Oh yeah, that sounds cool. I'll be a fighter pilot. And then, um, in high school deciding I want to be a musician and I want to do that. And, um, was able to, to, to live that dream for a little while, uh, playing uh, trumpet in the Marine Corps band. Uh, it was my first job right out of high school. So going from being a musician to an economist, you know, it was uh, not <laughs> through, a, through the Marine Corps, <laughs> not exactly a linear career path. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 <clears throat> Yeah, and that's and you and you, and you served in the uh, in the Marines for a while. Yeah, yeah. So I grew up in Arizona. Um, you know, dad was a firefighter, mom was an accountant. So that probably t- says a lot um, <laughs> about why I ended up where I am. Um, but yeah, after high school, uh, joined the Marines uh, right out of high school in um, because I wanted to be a musician and I could have gone to college and gotten a degree in music performance and still not had a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Marines are like, "Hey, you passed the audition. We'll pay you to play right now." I'm like, that sounds real good, man. A paycheck on the first and the 15th of every month. I get benefits, I get free housing, you know, uniform to travel, you know, play all kinds of different styles of music. And just, uh, if you can put up with John Philip Sousa, you know, you're, <laughs> you're good to go. You know, a lot of marches and that kind of yeah, stuff, yeah, but, yeah. but yeah, it was cool. We got a chance to, to play a lot of different styles of music and, and different things. So that yeah, was fun. Very cool. Where all did that take you? You said travel a lot. And- yeah. So, um, well, I joined the Marines. I thought I was going to see the world, right? That, right. that was kind of the, the idea. You know, um, the the band is kind of an interesting thing in the Marines. It's the only job in the military where you have to have prior training before you go into the military. Every other job in the military, they will teach you what to do. Like, even if you want to fly a plane, cool. You don't have to have ever flown, flown a plane before. You want to be a doctor, you never even been a doctor before. <laughs> we'll send you to school. We'll teach you how to be a doctor. We'll figure all this out. So, um, because of that, you get a couple of privileges. One, you get an automatic promotion when you start out um, to because of that. And they let you kind of pick your duty station. Like, where do you want to go? There's um, 14 different bands, uh, 12 field bands and two bands in D.C. And um, they say, All right, give us your three top three choices. We'll give you one of them kind of thing. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to I want like Okinawa, Japan. Like, get me out of the country. Like, just send me yeah. to Japan. Um, Hawaii and new Orleans. 
I'm like, that's, those are my top three, you know, you know, and then my mom freaked out and she's like, <laughs> my baby's going off, you're leaving me, you know, I'm the, you know, the oldest and stuff. So firstborn, you know, all this kind of stuff. So my mom's, you know, freaking out about that. It's like, fine. Okay, mom, look. And so I crossed out New Orleans, my last choice, Camp Pendleton, California, six hours away from home. I'm like, here you go, mom. I'll put this down as one of my, my options for you knowing full well, I'm going to Japan. Like nobody wants to go to Japan. And so they told me that like nobody ever wants to go to Japan. I'm like, cool. I want to go to Japan. I'm going to Japan. Not a problem. And, um, yeah, God had other plans. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So I guess that's a good place to, I, I was, I was going to say, yeah. I remember this part of the story. This is, it's yeah. very important that you went to California. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah. Yeah, it was. So, yeah. um, yeah. So kind of back, back to a little bit when mm. I, when I graduated from high school, um, the day after I graduated from high school, I packed up my truck and I moved to Montana and uh, worked in Glacier National Park, Montana for the summer before going off to boot camp in, in September. And uh, my dad had helped me get this job <clears throat> up there. He had a student of his uh, at the community college that uh, had done this and he thought it'd be cool. So um, I signed up, I ended up as a, as a bellhop at Mini Glacier Hotel in uh, Glacier National Park, and I'm playing my trumpet in the pit orchestra of this musical that we're doing in the basement of the hotel for all the guests <laughs> and stuff, and just having a great time for the summer. Um, but at that point in my life, I was an atheist. You know, just gr grew up. We didn't really go to church. We went Easter, Christmas. I'd go, I'd sleep, I'd wake up and go have brunch at grandma's house. Like that was kind of my my experience with with, with church. I remember as a little kid, I must've been like somewhere like eight to 10 years old. And I remember, you know, sitting in my room and praying like, okay, God, hi, I'm John. Nice to meet you. Um, my grandma says that you're real. Mm. So, um, cool. If you're real, why don't you just turn my radio on and off real quick? <laughs> like, just let me know you're here. Like it's middle of the night. Everyone's asleep. Like just you and me you know, just prove it. Like grandma says you're real. Cool. Turn on my radio. Nothing, nothing happens. I'm like, okay. All right. Like, look, like I get it. Maybe you don't want to wake everybody up. We're, we're sleeping. Like I, I negotiated. I, 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 yeah, no, totally. Totally. And uh, I'm like, okay, God. So, you know, you know, grandma says you're real. So I'm, I'm going to give you a second chance. Like, like grandma says you're real. Just, just turn the lights on and off real fast. No one will hear it. No one will say everyone's asleep, but just, just you and me just, Flick the lights on and off real quick. Let me know you're there. Nothing. I'm like, cool. So you're not real. Mm, like, yeah. like if you can't even turn on my radio or flick on my lights, like you're the creator of the universe. I think not. <laughs> right. Like, no. Okay, cool. So like, so like from that point on, I'm like, God's not real. Whatever. <laughs> Live my life like a heathen, yeah. you know, whatever. Cause this is all you got. Right. So just enjoy it while you can and, and off you go. So lived my life that way, you know, go, going forward and, uh, you know, not, not a good idea, just FYI, <laughs> <laughs> but it's the, it's the best you had with the information yeah. you had. But, yeah. yeah. But yeah. based, but based on my experience, like that was just kind of, kind of where I was at. So, uh, go off to Montana and I'm like, this is awesome. Um, I can, you know, have a blast. I can hike in the mountains, you know, I can, um, 
you know, sleep with all the visitors who are coming in on vacation who just want to have a good time. And I'm like, cool, I'm the bellhop. I'm the first guy you meet. I'm like, hey, how you doing? If you need anything, let me know. Happy to show you around. Um, plus, we have all these people from all over the world who are working here for the summer. And we're all just having a blast doing our thing. And uh, and all is well, man, until um, towards the end of the towards the end of the summer. I uh, took a little hike and there was um, that I, I, I basically been like all over the park. I'd hiked everywhere, been up to Canada, to the Waterton, um, wow. you know, Lakes National Park up there. And I was like, okay, I want to go somewhere I've never been. Summer's coming to an end. Like I'm, I'm going to be out of here soon. Like pull out a topo map because this is, you know, the 1990s. This is, you know way back in the dinosaur ages and so like literal you physical you didn't map. have an app yeah no i didn't have it there's no app for that then yeah so i pull out this topo map and i'm kind of looking around and i'm like okay cool there's this mountain you know a little you know a few miles off uh from the from the hotel and like there's like no trail there or whatever i'm like that's where i'm gonna go i'm gonna go to the top of this mountain and so the the place is actually called um snow moon falling leaf and it's two lakes, snow, moon, and falling leaf on the top of this mountain. And uh, so, I, so I hike out through this you know, glacier-carved valley and uh, scramble up the side of this mountain on little goat trails, uh, get to you know, climb up a cliff, like get on top of this mountain. And I'm, and I'm up there. It's like me, some marmots, and that's it. Like, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. And I'm looking in this the, – this, one lake snow moon is, is sort of like a, like a crescent moon shape. And there's a little waterfall going down into the, uh, the, the lower lake that actually looks like a maple leaf. And I'm like, I get it. Snow moon falling leaf. Okay. Awesome. Uh, and so I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, 360 degree view. You, you look all around from the top of this mountain and it's just glacier carved valleys as far as the eye can see. And I'm sitting up there and, and I, I just felt like, something inside me just said, John, you're full of crap. Although it wasn't crap. It was another word that you said (laughs) to try to avoid on on the air. So, um, and I'm like, why am I feeling this way? Like what, what in the world? And it's just this, just this thought of this all didn't just happen by chance, right? Like, Like this wasn't just, you know, random particles, you know, floating around and all of a sudden this just sort of happened, Mm. you know, it's like, it was just, it was just so awe-inspiring so beautiful. And I was just overwhelmed by this emotion. I'm like, why am I feeling this way? Like, this doesn't make any sense from my atheistic worldview or whatever. So I literally have this like mountaintop experience. (laughs) Right. And, and I come down the mountain just like confused, like, okay, I went up the mountain an atheist like, do I really believe that there's like some sort of higher power out there? Some sort of God? I'm like, oh my God, I'm agnostic. Like, great. You know, now I believe there's a God. I'm like, okay, well, what does that mean? Like, I don't even know what that means. And so like the, the, the next month I'm off in boot camp, right? And uh, in, in Marine Corps boot camp, you know, I was there through Thanksgiving. And uh, one of the things that they would do on Sundays is they would take everybody to church and you basically had the option, hey, you can go to church or you can stay back in the barracks with the drill instructors. So you can imagine everybody went to church, <laughs> right? Because nobody wants to stay behind and clean and play with the drill instructors because that was never a fun time. Uh, so I'm, I'm sitting there in boot camp. I'm like, okay, I don't want to play with the drill instructors, but I don't really want to go to church either. 
So I find out that it's like a Buddhist service. Okay. I'm like, cool. I'm going to go. I'm a Buddhist. Like, I'm going to go to the Buddhist service, please. And I uh, went to this Buddhist service, and it was dumb. It was like a bunch <laughs> of guys sitting around just, like, writing letters home, like, not really doing anything. Because, yeah. like, this, they didn't know what to do with us. Yeah. So they just, like, stuck us in a room, and they're like, okay, do your thing or whatever. And it was like <laughs> it was like an hour of unsupervised time in boot camp once a week. <laughs> I was like, cool. I can sit here and write letters home, and it's, it's all good. So that was my... Uh, you know, my, my religion of choice at that point, just cause it's That's a funny. chance to be alone. Uh, <clears throat> so I get out of boot camp, you know, whatever I, um, end up at the armed forces school of music. It's, um, uh, the army, the Navy and the, the Marine Corps send all their people there for um, six to nine months for, for some training before you uh, go off to your, to your job. And while I'm there in Virginia at the armed forces school of music, um, I, I'm, I'm done. Finally, I'm, I'm graduating and they say, okay, we got your orders, like where you're going to go. And I'm like, cool, I'm going to Japan, right? Now's my time. I'm going to Japan. And they, they gave me the orders and it says Camp Pendleton, California. And I'm like, you gotta be effing kidding me. I'm like, you all said nobody wants to go to Japan. Why did I not get to go to Japan? It turns out there's another guy from Arizona who was also a trumpet player, we both went in at the same time. His first duty station choice was Camp Pendleton. His last duty station choice was Okinawa, Japan. And they must have somehow mixed up who was who because he got Japan and I got Camp Pendleton. That's awesome. And I'm like, like this. And so we find out, like we're talking to each other and it's like, dude, I wanted to go to Japan. He's like, I wanted to go to Pendleton. I'm like, cool. Like, let's just go ask him to switch it. Like, right. so we go into our commanding officer and we're like, sir, um, they, they just, they missed it up. Like they mixed up our orders. Can, can we switch it? And he's like, son, the Marines don't make mistakes. Get out of my office. I'm like, dang it. You know, and that was the end of that conversation. Yeah. So, so here I am. I'm going off to California and I'm like, man, I joined to see the world and I'm going to some place that I grew up going to three, four times a year. My grandpa <laughs> lived in Mission Viejo, like, you know, a couple hours away. We'd go out to, you know, Disneyland and stuff on vacation all the time. And so I'm like, shoot, like this is, you know, not what I wanted. So I'm kind of irritated anyway when I, when I show up, but turns out later. So kind of fast forward through, through that time. Um, I, um, I got into a really bad place. I mean, you can imagine young man with money now for the first time on my own, no parental supervision. Right. And, um, living in the barracks and just free to kind of do whatever you want to do. And, uh, you know, we, so we, we partied, man, we had a good time, um, out there and, uh, ended up making a, making a huge mistake, ended up sleeping with a girl who, um, accused me later of raping her. And I thought to myself, I thought that was consensual. Like I had no idea that that was even, you know, happening. And a couple days later, um, girl that I had been seeing in Virginia calls me and says, uh, Hey, I'm HIV positive. Like you need to get tested. She's like, cause it was right in that time frame when <clears throat> when things happen. I was thinking to myself, "Oh my gosh, like this is this is bad news." So I I go to my commanding officer and I'm just I'm distraught. You know, I'm just like, "Dude, my life is falling apart. Like I don't know when I feel like I'm out of control. Like, can I have 
you know, I, they call it a 96. Like I went 96 hours. I'm like four day break. Like I need just something just to like get my mind straight. And he's like, well, how long have you felt this way? I'm like, well, honestly, sir, if I, if I was honest, like since I was 12, mm. <laughs> you mm. know? And, uh, and so he says, well, I tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to send you to the, the psychologist, the first Marine division, you know, psychologist. And he says, and if, if he's that the doctor says you need a 96, you, you got it. So I go to the division psychologist chat with him a little bit. And he says, well, you're messed up. Like I, I like, you're like beyond like what I can deal with. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I, I want you to talk to this specialist. I'm like, okay. So I, I go into this specialist and says this little old lady, man, like, you know, I'm, I'm 18 years old, you know, 19, almost 19. And, what do I know? But this, this lady looks just as 80, <laughs> you know, she's probably in her sixties or whatever, but I, what do I know? Right. And, uh, and she starts like asking me all these personal questions about my sex life. <laughs> you know, I'm like, like, why are you asking me about this? Like, well, have you ever been, you know, late to work because you were looking at pornography or masturbating? I'm like, well, yeah, of course, you know, like whatever. Like, okay. Have you ever like not wanted to do that, but you did it anyway? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. And, uh, you know, all, all these sorts of questions. And I'm like, you're really getting personal. Like what, what, like, I don't know you. Like I'm nervous. Like you're an old lady. Uh, you, like you why thought are, finance you, was personal. Yeah. <laughs> seriously. Yeah. And, um, so we, we get to the end of this, you know, conversation and she's like, well, congratulations. You're a sex addict. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Mm. Sex. And this is the nineties, right? Like this wasn't really a thing. Yeah. And I'm like, no, like, no, that's not possible. Like, how do you, like, how do you even do that? Like one, like, I'm, if anything, I'm behind the power curve. Like I've talked to other guys and like they've slept with way more girls than I have. I'm just like trying to catch up like with, with these guys. And so like, no, that's, that's not a thing. And she's like, yeah, no, you're, you are. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? And so I didn't get my four days off. Uh, instead I got a one way ticket to a 30 day inpatient rehab facility um, <clears throat> the Naval Addiction Rehabilitation and Education Department, mm. NARED, as we, we love our acronyms. You know, and uh, it actually, so, so it turns out, so to bring this, this back to getting to California, it turns out that Camp Pendleton has this facility that is the only addiction rehabilitation facility in the entire armed services. So had I been in Japan and needed help, they would have had to send me to Camp Pendleton. Mm to get help and the likelihood of them being willing to take on that cost is probably pretty low, but because I'm already at kind of like, it literally was 10 minutes away mm. <clears throat> from the barracks where I was, where I was living at the time. So my, my CEO was, was really cool um, about it. And he said, all right, you know, you're, you're going to go away for 30 days and we're going to let you get, get straight. I'm like, all right. So walk into this rehab facility and it was really interesting. There was, there was guys and gals. There were people of all ages. I mean, you know, 18 years old to, you know, 50, 60 years old, getting ready for retirement, you know, kind of stuff. People from all the different armed services were there um, with all kinds of problems, everything from codependency to food addiction, methamphetamines, cocaine, alcohol, you know, all, all kinds of stuff. And, uh, and so we're all in these groups and we're, we're talking about stuff and doing things. And of course it's, it's a, 12 step program, just yeah. like, AA, yeah. you know, and it's, um, admit you got a problem. Like, yeah, no problem. I, I, I got a problem. That's why I'm here. Right. <laughs> right. Like I know I've got problems, <laughs> right. Like, I, 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 it doesn't feel okay. And one of you know, of course, one of the things they say is, well, you need a higher power. I'm like, well, great. Here we go. 
Right. Of mm. course, religion is the opiate of the masses, <laughs> as Marx said. Of course, when I'm at my lowest point, this is when you're going to ask me mm. to become religious, of, of course. And, um, and I stormed out. I was just like, I was so pissed. You know, <clears throat> uh, I didn't know what to do. And they said, well, don't, don't, you, you don't have to decide like right now. They're like, just, just know, like, you're not going to get better on your own. Like you need help. And like your higher power can be anything like, Oh, it can, it can be anything cool. And so I, I started to sort of like paying attention to what everyone else was doing. And, and I went back to my room and I remember praying. I was like, all right, God, grandma always said you were real, <laughs> right? Here I am again. And I'm asking you like, like, I get it. You don't have to turn on my radio. You don't have to flip on the lights. Like, I'm not looking for a magic trick. I just need you to prove to me that you're real. Like, and it's got to be like one plus one equals God is real mm. or I'm not buying it. Like, you you got to do something that just proves to me that you're there. And it was it was really cool. Like, God set up like this science experiment for me in rehab to prove his existence. Like it was just the weirdest thing. Um, and I remember, I remember like looking around and, and guys just like, just, just watch, just observe. I'm like, okay. And we're looking around like, okay, we got all these people kind of like a random sample of society, people from all over, all kinds of different problems, different ages, different races. And the one thing we all have in common is we got something we can't control in our lives. I'm like, okay, cool. And he says, well, who's, who's getting better? <laughs> and my roommate, like literally my roommate, I asked him, I said, so, so who's your higher power? Like, what did, what did you decide? He's like, oh man, no, my, my higher power is the doorknob, dude. I'm like the doorknob. He's like, yeah, man. Cause you know, the doorknob, it opens and closes the doors of our life, man. Like that's my higher power. And so he literally would get on his knees and pray to this doorknob in our, in our room. This he's like, they said it could be anything. I'm like, <clears throat> like, okay. I'm like, but you realize like that's an inanimate object. <laughs> like it only opens the door. If you grab it and turn it and pull or push on it. Right. Like you're really like, you're the God, like, <laughs> cause you're the one who's manipulating everything. And yeah, he was just, he was just out of his mind. Like he just was really struggling. And I noticed like anyone who was doing that sort of thing wasn't getting any better. Huh. You know, they were, they were still struggling and people who were praying to, you know, Allah and, you know, Buddha and whatever. I'm like, like, you know, you're not, like, if you're a Buddhist, like you don't pray to Buddha, right? Like that's not like how that works. <laughs> Who <laughs> they're like, whatever, dude. Like, what do you know? I'm like, like I don't know anything like that. <laughs> I, I know nothing. I haven't even picked a higher power yet. Like, what do I know? <laughs> and uh, I noticed though that there were a few people who were getting getting better. And each time when I would ask them, I'm like, so what's what's your higher power? They're like, Jesus. I'm like, really? Okay. What's your higher power? Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like, what? Wow. And this was like, like that, that was the trend. Anybody who was praying to Jesus and chose Jesus as their higher power, they were getting better. And anyone who had anything else, it didn't matter what it was. They weren't. 
Wow. And I realized like, okay, well, if Jesus wasn't real, if there wasn't something to this, it would just be like a placebo, right? It'd be just like taking the sugar pill and you should get the same result as everything else. But if these people are getting better, there's gotta be something to this Jesus guy that's different than all these other things. You know, he's not a doorknob, <laughs> right? He's, he's something else. And so, um, I remember like the revelation. I just, I just woke up in the morning and we were walking on our way to breakfast and that the thought just kind of came to me. I'm like, okay, there's, there's something to it. And it's, it's funny. Like when you <clears throat> in the basement of the hospital, the Naval hospital at Camp Pendleton, if you walk down the hallway in the basement, if you turn left, you go to the cafeteria. If you turn right, you walk into like their little church, uh, setup that they, that they've got. And, uh, I remember going to breakfast and instead of going left, I just went right mm. and walked into this little room that they had set up. And I got down <laughs> on my knees and prayed and I didn't even really know what to, to pray. I was just mm. like, Jesus help me, you know, like, I don't, I don't know what or how or why, but I need help. And it seems like you're helping all these other people. Maybe you can help me. Wow. And then I went to breakfast. And it's all been amazing. And, and I've been perfect easy, ever easy since. since. Yeah, the, the Holy Spirit came and I've been uh, I've been perfect yeah. and obedient uh, every step of the way ever since. Yeah. Join us next week for part two of John Kessler's testimony and our time with him.